Hello, Cathedral family and friends. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thanks so much for creating space for God's grace to meet you in this moment. I invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer with me. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful today. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You know what we need. Our hands are in position to receive. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You know, Psalm 145 says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness, no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another and they will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works and I will proclaim your good deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Oh, I hope that you're ready to celebrate and I hope that you're ready to sing. Here comes our worship team to lead us in both.
May of the joy of the Lord rise in our midst. Let's all sing this together. Come on. There is a river where goodness flows. There is a fountain that drowns sorrow. There is an ocean, and it's deeper than fear. The tide is rising, rising. Here we go. There is a current stirring deep inside. It's overflowing from the heart of God. The flood of heaven crashing over us. The tide is rising, rising. Come on. Bursting, bursting up from the ground. We feel it now. Bursting, bursting up from the alive in the river, the river of God's goodness, the river of God's grace, the river of God's love. He wants to overflow us all through our community and right there in your home with his amazing love and goodness and grace. In fact, I want to pray that over you right now. Heavenly Father, thank you. Your incredible love for each one of us flow into each household right now. Let people know you love them and care for them, that you're watching over them, that they can be safe in your arms. 
Thank you, Lord, for this invitation to to let your love spring up within us. Let the tide of your love rise. You don't want us just to step our toes in there. You don't want us to even wade up to our ankles or knees. You're calling us in this moment past waist deep water to waters to swim in of your amazing love that's wider than we ever imagined. Your goodness that's deeper than we ever imagined. Your generosity that's higher than anything we can think or ask. Lord, overflow us with that amazing love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God thanks and praise even there at your household, amen. Well, what a great blessing to be together. Cathedral family, on behalf of Pastor Ken and Kurt, all of our pastors and staff, we love and miss you so much. And I wanna give you an update on where things are headed for us right now. Throughout the month of July, we will continue to hold all of our services online. We encourage you to come on board and watch us on Facebook, on our website. You can also go to Vimeo or YouTube. We're looking forward to the ministry God's gonna do this month as we walk through a powerful book of the Bible, the book of Philippians. Starting the second weekend of August, we're going to start outdoor services. You can pull up in your car. We'll be in the amphitheater. We're going to hold service in here, but everybody will be outside watching and participating. It'll be a chance to connect with your cathedral family. There'll still be online options available, but we're looking forward to that new option in August. And then starting the second weekend of September, Lord willing, if all the protocols fall in place and things happen the way we're believing they're going to, we'd like to start services inside that weekend. We can have services in here, all through campus, as well as outside and online. And so we're looking forward to what God's going to do as we walk through this season together for a new normal. Amen? Well, while we're waiting for that, I've got really good news. Next Tuesday, July 14th, we're going to have a special drive-through communion service. And we encourage you to come out in your car. You'll drive through. We'll show you exactly where to go. And a pastor will serve you. Communion will pray with you. It'll be from 6 to 8 this Tuesday night. We hope you'll come out and join us. Well, one of the difficulties of a time like this, of sheltering in place, is we can get so inward thinking about me, myself, and I, and my life, and my this, and my that, and my mask, and my schedule, and my job, and my future, and my money, and my, 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 my. In fact, sort of like the seagulls in the movie Finding Nemo, they were always saying, mine, 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 mine. But the reality is when we come to Jesus and we begin to follow him and make him the leader of our life, we recognize everything we have isn't really ours It's not mine, mine, mine. It's God's, God's, God's. And in this moment of bringing our gifts to the Lord, we recognize that. In fact, there's a powerful passage of scripture in Proverbs chapter 11 that reads like this. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed and those who help will be helped. In this moment, we recognize that when we give, our world gets larger. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen a happy, stingy person? They're not out there. Neither have you seen a grumpy, generous person. Because when we give, our world gets larger. And in this moment, you can see at the bottom of the screen the number to text your gifts to. We invite you to join with us in enlarging our world in this moment of generosity. Let me be honest with you for just a moment. With this sheltering in place, giving has been down a little bit. We continue all of our ministries, our outreaches. We continue to touch the nations. And I encourage you to step up and enlarge your world by being generous. You can also see on the screen other ways to give. You can go to our app. You can go to our website. You can drop it by the church office or mail it to us. We look forward to you partnering with us in this moment. God wants to bless you. And what the beautiful thing in Scripture is, we know well here at Cathedral of Faith, we've been blessed to be a blessing, but the truth of the Bible goes a little even further. It says, when you generously bless, God will generously bless you. And that's what we're believing in this moment. Speaking of blessing, what a great gift God has given to us here at Cathedral of Faith, our amazing worship band. 
as they lead us and use their gifts to point us to God and to lead us in worship, we are so deeply blessed. And you're in for a great treat because our worship band is coming right now to play an old hymn. It's 500 years old, written by Martin Luther, called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. His kingdom is forever.
Hello, Cathedral family and friends. Welcome to the new normal. So glad that you're with us. Wherever you're watching from, here in the Bay Area, around the country, or even around the world. Boy, everywhere you turn in the news, there's talk about this new normal. What is the new normal going to look like? I saw this one dog with his owner, and the dog says to the owner, it's for your own good. You've got to stop touching your face. Is wearing a cone or a mask, is that going to be the new normal? Uh, I saw this pair of headphones, and there's this, it read, remember where remember wearing these at work because there were other people in the office? Are empty offices going to be the new normal? I saw this elderly couple having a conversation and the older husband says to his wife, we need to move back in with your parents. Scoot over, mom. Elisa and I and Arthur are on the way. Is moving back in with our parents the new normal? What will be the new normal? What if there was a kind of new normal that would take your life to a whole new level? The Harvard Business Review, a while back, ran a story about the late Roger Bannister. Now, Roger was a long-distance runner. A long-distance for me is from the front of the church to the back of the church, but Roger was the real deal, and he was one of the best milers in the world. Now, at the time, athletes and coaches and doctors and scientists said that the, the human body did not have the capacity to break the four-minute mile barrier. But Roger was an outlier, and while a full-time student, he devised his own training methods, was often criticized because of it, and yet, on a cold day, on a damp track, with a small group of people watching. One day, he did it. He ran a mile in three minutes and 59 seconds. And 46 days later, another person broke that barrier. And the next year, three more people broke that barrier in the same race. It seems that once he broke the barrier and established a new normal, others believed that they could do it too. There's a man in the first century who does the same kind of thing. He establishes a new normal. It's normal to have joy when life is turning up roses. When the job market's strong and the stock market's up, when there's food in the pantry and the doctor's report says you're healthy, it's normal to have joy during those times. But to have joy in the middle of difficult, challenging times, in the middle of a pandemic where there seems to be no end in sight, is there anyone who can break that barrier? Well, this man in the Bible by the name of Paul, he shows us how. Well, he has had to face difficult, challenging circumstances. I mean, the last four years, talk about tough times. It starts off with a, a two-year imprisonment in the city of Caesarea uh, being uh, held on trumped-up charges. He was falsely accused. And then as they're transporting him from Caesarea to Rome to stand trial, they have to abandon ship because of a severe storm and they end up shipwrecked on a desert island. And then things get even worse. While on the desert island, he gets bit by a poisonous snake. Don't you hate when that happens? And then finally, when he ends up in Rome, he has chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. I could totally understand. It would be normal for Paul to be bitter and depressed and sour about his circumstances. 
to write. If he was going to write anything, he would write a country western song. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. But instead, the Apostle Paul sits down and writes the most positive book in the Bible, the book of Philippians. In these four chapters, you find 16 references to to joy and rejoicing. For example, in Philippians chapter 1, we read, Wherever I, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. Philippians chapter 2, yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. Philippians chapter 4 says, always be full of joy. Joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Well, to rejoice, to find joy, even in the midst of difficult, challenging times, Paul has tapped into something that is deeper than the surface circumstances that he's facing. For Paul, it's not that circumstances are unimportant, but they're not all important either. My wife and I, during the summer, when we have a chance to get away, we like to go to Palm Springs. Now, I know it's hot. It's as hot as Hades during the summer in Palm Springs, but my joints like the heat and my wallet likes the prices and my skin can always use the tan. And so we make our way down to Palm Springs and it's an amazing place. They only get five inches of rain a year. Uh, it only rains 10 days in the entire year. But there's an aquifer underneath the surface that supplies the over 300,000 residents with 90 million gallons a day. In fact, there are wells that go down to 1,200 feet deep that tap into the, the best, purest of water. And I was thinking in the current climate we are in, even in the desert, there's water to be found if you can dig a little deeper. Let me say it again. Circumstances are not unimportant, but they're not all important either. And that Paul shows us a way where we can tap into that water and establish a new normal. Here are three ways we can do it. The first one has to do with, well, this new normal, he refused to let circumstances make him helpless. He refused to let circumstances make him helpless. There was a study that was done with prisoners uh, from the different wars, prisoners of war, from the World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. And they wanted to see Uh, Were there differences in the way that the prisoners handled their time as prisoners of war? And here's what they found, that when you're a prisoner, there's so much that is out of your control. And you can feel helpless, and it would be really easy to surrender to that feeling of helplessness. But there were other prisoners that decided that even though they couldn't control lots of things, there were certain things they could control. And they would establish their own exercise regimes or they would memorize stories or they would invent games that they could play. They controlled what they could. And that these were the ones who, well, mentally and physically and emotionally did better during that prison time. And this is a key if you want to live at that level of new normal. When you're in prison, this pandemic can sure feel like a prison. I don't know about you, but for the last few months, I have never felt more powerless or more helpless. But instead, by the grace of God, if we will say, I am not powerless Instead, I am victorious. 
I can't control everything, but by the help of God, there are things within my control and I will do what I can for his honor and for his glory. Look at the apostle Paul. He can't do many things. He's in prison, but he can still write. And so that's what he does. He sits down and writes letters to churches. And do you know those letters have encouraged hundreds of millions of people throughout the centuries? He did what he could. Much of our New Testament was written while people were confined. So many things were out of their control, but they did what they could. They could still write. And look at what God did through those writings. Paul could still write and Paul could still witness. I mentioned before that Paul was literally chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. Now that is confining. And yet as Paul looked at it, he had a captive audience. And so he would share his faith with the prisoner who was on that shift. And then when the shift, uh, uh, when a new guard came in, And the shift changed. He would share his faith with that person. He had the chance to share his faith with the entire elite Roman guard. And many of them became followers of Christ. Even members of Nero's own family became followers of Jesus. Because Paul did what he could. In fact, he writes in Philippians chapter 1. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has happened to spread the good news. I am not helpless. I am victorious. There are many things I can't control right now, but by the grace of God, I can control what I can. And watch what God does in the midst of that. I will never forget a lady Many years ago, she was a part of the Cathedral of Faith. Her name was Nadine. Now, Nadine was severely handicapped. When they brought her to church, they would have to strap her to her wheelchair because she couldn't control her body. When she talked, she couldn't form words. She could just make guttural sounds. She was in the prison of her own body. And yet, Nadine did what she could. She said, I'm not going to be a victim. Instead, I'm going to be victorious. And she found that she did have the power to control one of her toes. She called it her educated toe. And she would take that toe and use it to type letters of encouragement and send them to other people. In fact, you can see one of the letters that she sent to my dad. That's not normal. But as people of faith, we can rise above that I am not powerless. Even in the prison of this pandemic, I am not powerless. I am victorious. This is what it looks like to live at our new normal. Now, let's move on to the second thing that this new normal Paul found. He lived there because he refused to let his critics make him bitter. He refused to let his critics make him bitter. When Abraham Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address, people looking back has said that that speech was one of the greatest speeches that was ever given in the English language. But at the time, not everybody was given at rave reviews. For example, after the speech, the Chicago Times ran this about his address. The cheek of every American must tingle with shame as he reads the silly, flat, dishwatery utterances of the man who has to be pointed out to intelligent foreigners as the president of the United States. If the Gettysburg Address gets that kind of critique, my sermon's got no shot at all. 
Here's the point. No matter how great or successful you are, you will always have your critics. In fact, sometimes you'll have critics because of your success. That's what happens to Paul. There were other church leaders, as Mr. Bean would put it, I think I sense some jealousy. And there were other church leaders, they were jealous of Paul. He had more followers on Twitter. You know, he had more friends on Facebook. He had more speaking engagement opportunities than they did. And their jealousy drove them to criticize him. In fact, Paul writes this about his critics. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful for me. Think about that. These are other church leaders. Chains in and of themselves are painful. And now they're trying to make those chains even worse through their criticism. Because criticism can be painful, even if you have a thick skin. Criticism can be painful because all of us human beings, in the way that we're wired, you know, we want to be liked. We want to be affirmed. We want to have the approvals of others. Criticism hurts. And yet there is a way to maintain joy, even in the face of those critics. And it's found in a simple but profound phrase. It goes like this. I don't have to make everyone happy in order to be happy. Someone needs to take a screenshot of that and put that somewhere prominent in your home. I don't have to make everyone happy in order to be happy. I don't have to have everyone's approval. I don't have to have everyone's affirmation. I can give myself permission to still find joy. But when you do that, it takes, you take the power away from your critics. That way, when it comes to your critics, you can pray for them. You can bless them. You can learn from them. You really can. You can outlast your critics. And most importantly, you will not let your critics turn your sour or rob you of your joy. Don't give that kind of power away to your critics. Instead, make a declaration today. I don't have to make everybody happy in order to be happy. There's a little phrase that Paul uses in talking about his critics and their criticism in Philippians 1.18. That at the end of the day, really, what does it matter? Maybe that's the best take of way for you from this entire sermon to be able to say that phrase at the end of the day, what does it matter? I saw this one picture of a kid and it says, this is a pastor's kid after church. And I can feel his pain because I grew up as a pastor's kid. Now, let me say, I have had a wonderful journey. I am eternally grateful for growing up the way that I did. My dad was the best and our church was the best. But every situation in life, every situation has trade-offs. Even being a pastor's kid. Because growing up as a pastor's kid in church, you're in a fishbowl. So not only are you a kid, you're the pastor's kid. Not only are your parents' eyes on you, every other parent's eyes are on you. And somewhere along the way as a kid, I picked up this as a part of my belief system that if I was going to be happy, I had to make everybody in the church happy. 
And of course, when you have that kind of belief system, it, well, you set yourself up for misery because no matter how hard you try, you'll never make everybody happy. And so there's this incessant sense of internal misery that you carry in your life. And one day my dad and I had a a conversation and um, I'll never forget what he told me. He said, Ken, remember in life, don't worry about trying to please the grandstands. Just try to please the coach. And if you keep your focus on that audience of one, don't worry about pleasing the grandstands. Just worry about pleasing the coach. And that was a liberating word for me back then. And it's been a liberating word for me in ministry for almost 40 years. That my ultimate desire is to please Christ. And at the end of the day, what others are saying or are not saying about me, what does it matter? Because I'm living my life for Jesus. Give yourself permission to find joy today. And that brings us to the next last thing that we learned from Paul, the new normal. He refused to let uncertainty make him anxious. He refused to let uncertainty make him anxious. I'm going to ask all the kids that are watching to get interactive with me. If I can just borrow your thumbs for a moment, put down the video game and let me borrow your thumb. You thought I couldn't see you, but I can. So all the kids, if you'll take your thumbs and you go thumbs up and you'll take your thumbs and you'll go thumbs down and I'll take the rest of your fingers and give your thumbs a hand. Way to go. Thumbs up or thumbs down. As Paul is facing his future, he doesn't know. Is Caesar Nero going to give him the thumbs up? Or is he going to give him the thumbs down? Is he going to live or is he going to die? He really is not sure. He has a hunch. He knows what he would like but he looks into the future. There's great uncertainty there. And yet look at what Paul writes. He says, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or whether I die. That Paul has linked his future to Jesus. That whether whether Caesar gives him the thumbs up or the thumbs down, that all he is concerned about is honoring Christ. He's linked his future to Jesus, and that really is the safest place to be. Because when you link your future to Jesus and you get there, you'll find that Jesus was already there. And he will make sure you win. Yeah, I, I, I like this saying. It says, I have linked my future to Jesus, and he will take care of my future. I have linked my future to Jesus and he will take care of my future. Many of us right now are facing an uncertain future and we just don't know, we don't. Will it be thumbs up or will it be thumbs down? A friend of my brother's, a lifelong friend, he has a theater business all around the Bay Area He took over from his dad and he's expanded the business. And yet when the pandemic hit and all of the, boy, unintended side effects that have gone into this, he's not sure. He told my brother he may lose absolutely everything. He doesn't know, is it going to be thumbs up or is it going to be thumbs down? In this environment, it is so important more than ever before to link our future to Jesus, to trust him, that that he will take care of our future, whatever that future looks like, whether it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down, that he will make sure we win. 
This is what Paul leans into the confidence. As he looks into the future, he says, look, if Caesar gives me a thumbs up and I live, it's a win. I get to live my life for Christ and share my faith with others. And if Caesar gives me a thumbs down, I still win. I go, get to go and be with Christ and, and meet Christ face to face. Either way, thumbs up or thumbs down. Jesus will make sure I win. Friend, let this get into your spirit. I don't know what the future holds, but either way, either way, if you keep your job or if you lose your job, if your school opens back up or if your school doesn't open back up, if that girlfriend stays with you or that girlfriend leaves you, you know, if, if the doctor gives you a good report or the doctor gives you a bad report, when you link your future to Jesus, Jesus will make sure that you win. It's the safest place to be, is to be secure in him. Would you do that today? Trust your future to Jesus. Don't stay locked up with your worry and anxiety. Know that in whatever situation, God will give you a way to honor Christ in that moment. And Christ will be at work, redeeming, restoring, renewing. He will make sure you win. In one of my favorite films, The Lord of the Rings, it's a great movie written well, it's the movies made from a series of books that were written by a very committed Christian, J.R. Tolkien. And in the movie, there's a hobbit who has an evil ring that he has to take. It's a difficult journey. It's a difficult task. He has to take it to the, the mountain of Mordor so that he can destroy it. And at one point, he's just feeling kind of helpless and hopeless. He's discouraged. And one of his buddies, Gandalf, they're having a conversation and he says, I wish it need not happen, happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. I'm sure there are many of us, if we were just being honest, we wished, boy, I wish this wasn't a part of our time. And yet here we are. What I would encourage you to do is, is lean into the day that this is the time that's been given to us and let's live it for Christ. It's all about him. Find your joy in him. Make Jesus your new normal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of those who are watching right now that have not yet made a commitment to Christ, that even now they're declaring that Jesus you are their savior and you are their Lord. They're putting you in charge of their lives. And God, I pray for all of us that are just down and discouraged and, and battling through this time of the pandemic. Help us to, to live life at a new normal, to find joy even in the midst of this difficult time. Let's dig deep. There's water beneath the surface that can quench our spirit and our souls. And I pray this in Jesus' name for Jesus' glory. Amen. Amen. You know, thanks so much for creating space to come and meet God in this moment. I pray that you'll stay encouraged. Feel free at any time to contact us at the church. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and 
a couple of things I want to share with you, very exciting things. First of all, this Tuesday, July 14th, from 6 to 8 p.m., right here at the Cathedral San Jose parking lot, we will be having a drive-through communion time. So all of our staff will be here. You can drive through with your family and receive communion and prayer during that time. Again, it's Tuesday night from 6 to 8 o'clock right here at the San Jose campus. We'd love to see you. And we have a gift for every one of you that's a part of Cathedral. It's our mask. If we got to wear a mask, we're going to do it Cathedral style. Cathedral strong. So we've got a mask we'd like to give to you. And then we're hoping to open up, uh, regather, I should say, on the Cathedral campus on August 8th, we'll be opening up outdoors and we've got, it's going to be an absolute great time to regather and please be praying for us as we work on that together. For our benediction today, I want to introduce you to just a, a great friend. I've had the chance to speak at a couple of his leadership conferences. He's got a great church here in the Santa Clara Valley, River of Life, Pastor Tong. Dear brother and sister of Cathedral of Faith, it is my joy and honor to be part of your service. Let's pray for blessing. Father God, Wesley, I thank you for this congregation. I know you have chosen them for such a time as this to witness for your love and righteousness. I pray that they will be the channel of restoration, not only to the community, but to the nation and throughout the world. And as you're taking them into the new season, I pray for special breakthrough anointing upon them, that you open doors that they can never open before, that you'll take them into territory that they can never enter before, and they'll thrive in all circumstances, and indeed, they'll soar like an eagle. And now may the grace of Lord Jesus Christ, the love of our Father God, and the fellowship in the Holy Spirit be with you all from now and forever. Amen. God bless you. Yo, what's up, Cathedral of Faith? Come on in. in. This is The Wrap, and we have so much to talk about. It's Ramel, Aurora, Pastor Gary, Irene, and myself, Vaughn. And we're going to talk about this amazing word that was spoken over our church out of Philippians. Pastor Gary, what hit you, man? Wow, that was, I mean, it was very, very good. I mean, Pastor Ken just hit it out of the ballpark. One of the things he said is, in the prison of a pandemic, you can still find joy. Oh, Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Come on. I'm from Morgan Hill, so we can still find joy over there, too. So, uh, you know, when you think about this for a moment, just take it in the perspective of a prison and you're, you're stuck there. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's something that you're, you're in your car right now. You don't know. It, it, you can still find joy. How do you find this joy? And that's what I loved about this sermon today, because uh, you got to just keep looking and you find it if you really seek and search after it. Um, he brought some really good points out today, and I, I'm, I'm blessed because I, I, I've been at home. You know, we've all been at home for a while. Now we finally get to go back to work a little bit. But I never used to like just being at home because I was so busy. I mean, just constantly in your car or your, your office, and that's our normal Silicon Valley life. Now we go home and we say, well, is this really the prison? It, I realized something. It's never been my prison. Mm. It's mm. never it's been a prison. A home is not a prison. That's right. It's a place of joy and, yeah. and laughter. Yeah. And just having your spouse there or your family there, the kids, um, that's what I think I found during this pandemic time is that I found that joy. Yeah. It took a while. You're not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it took a while to find joy. And yeah. maybe if you feel like your home is like a prison, then maybe that's where you start. To Come on. Right. To be, so it could build that joy that is meant to be. It's your resting place. Yeah. It's your mm. hiding place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love when um, Pastor Ken said that uh, the approval of man doesn't need, we don't need the approval of man to be joyful or happy. And how <laughs> freely is that? Meaning right. the control of man, we release that. Like we, we not bother what they think about us or what we, mm. or what they say about us. Yeah. Uh, 
And I just love that. It just really hit home. It's like, that's right. I don't need the approval, man. I need to remind that myself. So therefore, mm-hmm. I... Yeah, that's no, a prison They can't control me how I, you know, right. yeah. That's the prison, too. Takes you out of yeah. it. Yeah, another way that he said that was not caring about the stands, but the coach. That's right. You oh, know, and oh, I yeah. think about Coach Jesus, and, and I feel like I love when things make it so simple. Like, you know, the gospel becomes so simple that, okay, I know my next step. When you're in a game, you're not like, why did the coach say that? Hey, I, I don't agree with that. What? Like, can we talk about this? No. He gives an order. Yes, sir. You're on the clock. Let's move it. And so I'm like, God, help me to be like, yes, coach Jesus. Let's go. Let's get this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. You know, I, this the perspective of, of the prison. And it struck me that what we're being challenged to do is one of two things. Either to see how God fits in it, our whole notion of God and how he fits in that prison. Mm. Uh, and how does that shape our perspective? Or finding God you know, in that prison? Where does God exist in that? Uh, and this whole idea that, that even though you're in prison, that doesn't mean your purpose is lost in oh, it. Oh, come on. I yeah. mean, I mean can, can, can we talk a little bit about purpose, Absolutely. finding purpose in the prison? That when you're saying the purpose, like his first point was refuse to let circumstances make you helpless. And then right after that, he says, I'll do what I can with God's help for his glory. Right. Yep. Wow. There and that is. reminded me of my grandmother. So my grandmother is is um, in her 80s and she can make some good salsa. And she was making, I was like, Grandma, don't do it. It's, it's a lot of work. She's like, no, this is what I can do and I can do it well. And I want to do this as a thank you for everything that God has done for me and for thank you for the prayers that he has in my life. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking um, in the God's economy, Everybody has a way to give glory to God. That's right. And no matter where you're at or how limited you are or what your gifts are, God has given you something to give glory to God and to have purpose. Yeah. Th- yeah. Thanks, you guys, for the help on that because um, it, it sums up, I think it was Philippians 1.18, um, that verse that Pastor Ken, the shortest verse, like, what does it matter? You know, it helps me focus on what matters most and as long as it points back to God. Absolutely. Man. And, just, and the fa- whole fact we're talking about this 2,000 years later mm-hmm. from a letter that was written out of prison. That's in so prison, true. right? And, and, and just how he literally embodies the message. Paul, the writer, embodies the message of not being a victim to your circumstance. Right. Because if there's one thing that we can be sure of is that, yes, we are a victim of, of life itself. Mm-hmm. Like, we are destined to die. Right. right. In our, right. Our, our physical bodies where we get sick, we break down. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Right. right? We're experiencing our frailness um, to to the to the elements. But that's not the whole of the story. And I loved how Pastor Ken said it, too. He says it. It's it's not unimportant, but it's not all all right. important. Right? right. And so it's that tension that we try to juggle, juggle in that. So that's in the right. prison. Yes. Purpose still lives on. Yeah. And it's. It, it sort of brings me back to a common word Pastor Cain used in his points to characterize Paul uh, in this situation, uh, and that was the word refuse, uh, that he refused right, to give in to his, his circumstances, refused to give in to his critics, refused to give in to the challenges he was experiencing with all of this. And it's not like he's not acknowledging it. He acknowledges all these things, right, but he refuses to accept it. Yeah. It's a challenge to refuse to accept that which is not of God and to accept the things that are of God. Amen. For you. you know, I, I have a little testimony really quick. In, in our church, there's a gentleman who lost his son in a tragic accident, and he was young. And he, he just, of course, distraught. And um, him and his wife, he uh been married for about 25 years now. And, you know, he's, he's faithful. Every Sunday morning, he would bring donuts and he would just encourage the youth and encourage our young people he he refused to lie in that state of just remorseful right and just being hurt um he got some amazing news believe this or not i mean he got news that his life was different prior to christ okay this gentleman called him up and it says i think you're my dad and all of a sudden they found out because of ancestry.com he has another son who is older and has a wife and grandchildren. In one instance, God gave some life, and he refused the circumstance of believing that he can be in this prison. He was set free. Wow. Um, now he's got 
grandkids and everything, and is like totally enjoying this life now. And wow. this happened during the pandemic. Wow. And so, I mean, it's just amazing the kind of God that we serve. Well, that's why I like what um, also Pastor Ken said. I link my future to Jesus, to Jesus because right. he will take care of my future. So whether that future is your family, your finances, your, your children, your, your uh, ministry, your church. Mm-hmm. With Jesus, we're, we are a winner. Right. You know, we're a winner. So that, I love that. That is just a full circle, yeah. right? Like Job's story. It's, it's like Job's story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this gentleman is the nicest person in the church. You know, yeah. you're, I mean, everybody's nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. right. Come out yeah. to Morgan Hill where everybody's also, nice. You know, saying at the end in that quote where he said, um, all of us have to decide what we're going to do with the life that has been given yeah. to mm. us. And let the fact that one day we're going to all stand before God and, and what have you done? Yeah. And um, Lord have mercy upon us. And that Pastor, Great, uh, Pastor Ken mm. also said, um, anything that we do do or have control over is by the grace of God. Yeah. Mm. I, I love the, the example, too, of the lady that used to attend the church. You know, that was, he, he described that she was a prisoner in her own body, right? But yet, it... it not her spirit, not That's her right. soul, not Come her on. purpose, not her ability to affect change. That's right. Right. She, we're talking about her how many years later because of the note she would type with her toe. That's right. Yeah. Like, like I, and it's, again, it's coming back to, yes, you are a victim. Mm. Everybody is. So now what? Yeah. Now what are you going to do with yeah. it? Like, right. you, you, we've given access to Christ himself we, to be anchored to this hope and to be anchored to this victorious one. And to, yeah, yeah, we're suffering, yeah. So now what? Let's let's get up and do something about it. That's right. Glory to yeah. God. That's right. It makes yeah. a straight line with a crooked stick, and yeah. we are all crooked sticks. You know, <laughs> you know it, it pas- pastor shared with her. more crooked than others. <laughs> where he shared with water to be found if we dig a little deeper, just like that woman right. right there. Dig it. She kept digging and digging dig. until she can get out what she needed to get she out. She found water. She found water. Yeah. yeah. She found Life-giving water. water. Life-giving. Yeah. Oh, come on now. Oh, we're starting yeah. to freeze out. And out of her flowed. Come on. Life-giving water. A living Rivers water, living right? Rivers. And right. in this pandemic, we're in this prison. We're in this, I, I would say, it's like we're over here watching Netflix yeah. or whatever it is. The creativity is gone. Yeah. We are creative beings. We're supposed to be creating ourselves. So yeah. what are we doing as Christians right now? Yeah, what are we right. doing to create this yeah, type yeah. of joy? Yeah, right? and the, uh, you know, we talked earlier about the seed, right? The life oh, of the seed on. and how all of us, we are the seed, yeah. right? And we're in this environment of suffering. And it's like the quote, that you know, you and I used to throw around a lot. They they tried to bury us, oh, but they didn't know I was. They a didn't seed. know I was a seed, <laughs> right? There you go. So like, you know, this this pandemic is trying to the spirit of the age, the spirit of hopelessness. Come on, it's trying to bury us. And guess what? We're about to bear fruit. That's right. We're about to bear fruit. We're That's about right. to break ground. Right. And we're about to. Our roots are searching for water. And oh, come man, on. when we find water. Look out because the church is going to rise. Oh, yeah, come I on, think that's. I think that phrase nails it. You know, it's a great kickoff to what now. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Our scripture for that we're taking away from this is Philippians chapter four, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Yes. And then, and again, I say rejoice. And I feel like it, when when it's repeated twice in God's word, there's such an emphasis there. Mm. And um. And now as we've talked about this, this isn't so simple. It is, it's deep. Rejoice is deep. Rejoice is strength. Rejoice is faith. So rejoice in the Lord always, always. Yeah, it's not just a saying to, to angle the situation. It is a deep, resonant truth. Isn't yeah. it a commandment? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's a commandment. It's yeah. a commanding. It's not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. Yeah. It's a commandment. It's not an alternative. Come on. It's, choice so cathedral of faith let's rejoice in the lord not rejoice in our circumstance not rejoice in the pandemic or the Mm. the governor's directives it's rejoice in the lord and do what we can with what we can man watch what god's gonna do man he's gonna do something amazing he always does so let's rejoice let's rejoice and rejoice together as well at the uh, after wrap two at one o'clock if you have not joined in Join in. We're on Zoom, Facebook, and YouTube, and we're hanging out with so each other. So good. And I think that that is a way you search for water. That's the roots looking for community. You know, find your community. Find oh, those good. two or three that you that you can hang out with, that you can talk about with, you know, and and find find us on on the Internet. Find us on social medias, you know, 
link arms with with each other in this season, man. Yeah. Yeah. Always, if you need prayer, prayer at cathedralfaith.org. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So as always, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. We love you, Cathedral. Boom.